like us now to turn to our Sunday school section. This morning I'd like to begin a series that I have titled All Things Work Together for the Good of God's People. All Things Work Together for the Good of God's People. Please turn with me to Romans. The letter Paul to the Romans. Chapter 8. Romans 8. Focus of our attention will be verse 28. But I'd like to read from verse 18 to verse 30. If you're there with me, hear God's word. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we are saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and those whom he predestined he also called and those whom he called he also justified and those whom he justified he also glorified that is god's word i'd like to i'd like you to pay attention to verse 28 there it says and we know the apostle is is not unsure of what he's talking about it says we know that for those who love God, for those who are called according to his purpose, he says all things work together for good. Now, this is not for unbelievers. It's not for those who have not believed upon Jesus Christ. We know that those who love God do so because God has first loved them. Because God has first revealed his love to them through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the apostle says that we know that those who love God for those who love God, for those who are called according to the purpose of God. And we know this from the, uh, uh, the, the letter of Paul to, uh, to the Ephesians. That God has the counsel of his will. He has his own purposes. Uh, turn there with me a bit. Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of us of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom see that wisdom that wisdom is implying of his purposes in all wisdom and insight making known to us the mystery of his will according to what according to his purpose god has a purpose it's in his purpose that he forgives those who uh, uh, come to him in repentance and faith it's in his purpose that he saves a people for himself then he says which is set forth in christ as a plan for the fullness uh, for the fullness of time to unite all things in him things in heaven 
and things on earth. Again, 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, you hear similar language, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we, uh, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might, might be to the praise of his glory. So you see there, again, a similar concept of those who were, have been raised in Christ, the first, first fruits, as he says, there in Romans 8, uh, 23. And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eagerly wait for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. And so we see that this idea of the all things working together for the good of God's people is for God's people. It's for those who love God. It's for those who have been called according to the purpose of God. Now I'd like us to consider this in, uh, in, 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 in two matters, really. That the best things work together for the good of God's people and the worst things work together for the good of God's people. And for this, I am uh, heavily relying upon uh, uh, Thomas Watson. He has a book. Um, he's titled All Things for Good. And these are some of the things that he considers there. So we will consider the best things today and next week, Lord willing. And then we will consider the worst things uh, in the subsequent Sundays. That the best things and the worst things work together for the good of God's people. So that those things that are good, that God gives, work for the good of God's people. And even those things that are, that are evil, evil in the sense that they, they, uh, uh, they afflict us. They also work for our good. And let's consider the best things. This will be the first part of it. The best things work together for the good of God's people. As you have it there in the outline that I sent you, the first thing that I'd like us to see is that the attributes of God work for the good of God's people. The attributes of God work for the good of God's people. Now, we have recently finished considering the attributes of God and we have seen the greatness of God. We do not want any one year to pass without us having considered the attributes of God. It's when, we, it's when we know God in his attributes that we are able to rightly worship him. Otherwise, if we do not know God, we would come here and worship a God of our own imagination with our own ideologies. And so we, we, we see that the attributes of God work for the good of God's people. And, and what do I mean? Let me give you a few attributes and show how they work for, for your good. If you're a Christian here this morning, the sovereignty of God works for our good. The sovereignty of God works for our good. It works for our good in our salvation. Go with me to Psalm. Psalm 3. In the Psalms, um, we are given many of the works of God in Psalm chapter 3 verse 8 we are told salvation belongs to the Lord your blessing be on your people now God in his sovereignty has a purpose he calls a people for his own purpose those who have been called according to his purpose and those who love God do so because God has first loved them in his sovereignty. In his sovereignty, God exercises love for our people. He purposes to display his love upon his people. And we are told there that salvation belongs to him. And in his sovereignty, he chooses to display this salvation to whomever he pleases. Jonah. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. Chapter 2, we recently considered this, uh, this book and we were able to see um, the commission that God gives Jonah and the things that therein unfold. In chapter 2, verse 9, this is after Jonah has been uh, uh, swallowed by the, uh, the, the, that great fish. And when he's in there, he says, um, verse 9, but... 
I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Now, this is a man who is being sent to Nineveh. And he is to go there, proclaim the gospel to these people. Call them, declare God's judgment upon them if they're not going to repent. And he says, what I have vowed, I will pay. I have said that I will go, therefore I will go. And then he says, salvation belongs to the Lord. It's as though he's saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to give these people the word of God. But then God in his sovereignty is the one who saves. Salvation belongs to him. And so the sovereignty of God works for our good because we have been saved. We have been saved not, not out of our own will. We're not born out of uh, the will of uh, blood or the will of the flesh or the will of man. We are born out of whose will? Whose will? The will of God. John chapter 1 verse 12 and 13. When we received the Lord Jesus Christ, it was out of being born by the will of God. Because salvation belongs to our God. Now, one last text there. The sovereignty of God works for the good of God's people. Ephesians chapter 1. Again, this, this, this is a beloved text. Ephesians 1 chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world. God makes a sovereign choice. Romans chapter 9 tells us that God loves Jacob and He hates Esau. He makes a sovereign choice to love one and to hate the other. And the Bible says that it's not because they had done anything good or evil. It's out of God's sovereign prerogative. God chooses to save our people. He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. And then uh, we are told there, in love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will. Again, God chooses a people sovereignly according to the purpose of His will. He and He only knows His purpose. And there we see that the sovereignty of God works for the good of his people and the patience of god works for the good of his people go to second peter second peter chapter three shouldn't be afraid of this text because of its seeming uh, difficulty ephesians three sorry sorry second peter three second peter three verse eight but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. Now, notice the people that are being addressed in this passage if you are going to understand what Peter is saying here. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Verse 9, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish but that all should reach repentance now let me engage you here a bit because it's a sunday school uh, when he says that uh, god is patient toward you who is the you there bible students it's right there who is the you there Yes. The beloved. Do not overlook this one fact. Beloved. It's the beloved who are being ad addressed. Um, not wishing that any should perish. Who is the any there? It's any of who? Any of who? Any of the beloved. But that all should reach repentance. All of who? All of who? All of the beloved. There is no, no problem with that text whatsoever. If an Armenian comes to this text and says, God wants everyone to be saved because this text says so, 
they're completely missing the point. Really, an argument can be made from the beginning of the book because the book is addressed to, look at, look at um, chapter 1, Simeon, uh, Simeon Peter, a servant and an apostle, and, and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's those who have obtained a faith equal with that of the apostles. Look at First Peter, the previous book. Peter is addressing the saints. First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles in the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. And so the, the, that text there in Second Peter chapter 3 is addressed to the people of God, their beloved now, the Lord is not slow to fulfill His promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward them. The patience of God works for the good of God's people. God waits. We saw this when we were considering the attributes of God. He is forbearing. He waits. Even now that we are in Christ, it's amazing to us how God continues to display His patience to us. We stumble, we fall, we, we sin in all sorts of ways. But God continues to be patient with His people. His patience works for the good of His people. God's power, His omnipotence, the omnipotence of God works for the good of God's people. The omnipotence of God works for the good of God's people in a couple of ways. In our sanctification, God powerfully sanctifies us. He powerfully saves us. He powerfully sanctifies us. Go to Ephesians chapter 3. So that when we hear that God is for us, who can be against us? This is what it means that the attributes of God work for the good of God's people. And His power is not to be left out. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. You see that text? The Christians love that text. God is able, is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. God is able to do far more exceedingly abundantly above all that we could imagine. And how, does, how is he able to do this? It's through his power. That's what he says there in the next statement. According to the power at work within us. There is a work that is within the people of God. And this work is, is accomplished by the power of God. According to the power at work within us. And it's because of this then that we give him glory. God sanctifies us. He cleanses us by his power. Go to a few books after Colossians. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. And so, from the day we had, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will. Now see how the apostle uh, prays for the people of God that they may be sanctified. That you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And increasing, and, 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 and increasing in the knowledge of God. Verse 11. Being strengthened with all power. And this is where the power of God comes in. For the sanctification of God's people. Being strengthened with all power. According to his glorious might. See that? The power of God. For the sanctification of his people. He says, for all endurance. And patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The, the, the sanctification that works in the life of the Christian works like so, happens like that because God's power is at work in them for their good, to make them uh, holy and blameless, to, to, to change them, to fashion them into this new creation that they have now become. In Christ. The power of God 
works for us in times of trouble. Uh, let's go to the Old Testament for this. Um, yes, Daniel. Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we have the famous story of the fiery furnace where the three Hebrew boys are to be throned because they have refused to bow down to that golden image. And the power of God works for them, for their good, when they are in trouble. The king says, whoever refuses to bow to this golden image that he has made is going to be thrown into this fire. In verse 16 of Daniel 3, we read, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. He will. He's going to do it. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Now, these, these are people that know their God, right? They know the power of their God, the omnipotence that their God bears. They know the magnificence of their God. And so they know that God is able to deliver them. We know that they know the true God because they're not going to bow to an idol whether or not they're thrown into the fire. They won't do it. Now the power of God works for their good. If you continue to read that story, you will hear that God's power is with them. Look at verse 24. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, uh, uh, He answered and said, But I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God. You see that Most High God is a declaration of His omnipotence. Come out and come here. And then they come out. And the text says that they, not even one hair was burnt. Not even the smell of smoke was on their clothes. God's power rescued them. In times of trouble, God is with us. God is there to rescue us. God is there to, to help us. Even when we are tempted, we're in the, we're, 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 when we're, we are in the trouble of sin, God is there. We're not tempted beyond our strength. God provides a way out by His power. Go to the uh, chapter 6. Chapter 6 of the same book. In chapter 6, we have the story of uh, famous story of Daniel, um, who is thrown in this lion's den. And um, we are told that Daniel refuses to uh, submit to the king's decree of not praying and there are these people who are orchestrating events or they think they are orchestrating events so that Daniel uh, would be removed from the picture by being killed and so Daniel refuses he continues to pray he is therefore arrested the king is not able to go against his word he is taken he is thrown into the lion's den Look at verse 16. We are told then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. Now the king does this out of much distress. He realizes that he has been duped. He has been tricked into declaring this which he cannot go back, uh, go back from. So we are told that 
the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, God what the king declares to, the, to, to this man, may your God whom you serve deliver you. May your God whom you serve deliver you. And how would God deliver Daniel? It's with his omnipotent hand. He would close the mouths of the lions. The stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords uh, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. And the king went to his place and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him and sleep fled from him. And we see there how God mightily delivers Daniel the next day. And it's these people who uh, plan the, all these that, that are thrown. And, and, and God's, God's power doesn't work for their good. They are evil men. They are eaten by the lions. God's power, his attribute of omnipotence works for the good of God's people. God's power uh, uh, works for our good to conquer our sin. God conquers, subdues our evils. Were it not for God's power, we would be evil men. God is the one who restrains us from being evil. When you read your Bible, when you pray, when you are sanctified, when you are cleansed, when you overcome temptation, it's God's power at work. How do we know this? What text tells us this? Sorry? Uh, not quite. That's not what's, what's in my mind. That when we work out our salvation, it's God who is working in us. You know that text there? Eh? Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 because it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to do, according to his good pleasure. God's power works to conquer our sins, to uh, subdue our enemies, to supply our needs. God's power works for the good of God's people. God's goodness works for the good of God's people. Psalm 34. Verse 8. <clears throat> oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. See, God's goodness works for the good of God's people. Those who fear God, those who love God, have no lack. Verse 10, the young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. God's goodness works for the good of God's people. James, James chapter 1. We have also gone through this, um, this letter of James. And Pastor James tells us that um, <clears throat> God's goodness works for our good that every good gift every perfect gift chapter 1 verse 17 is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change every good gift comes from this father who is good out of his goodness he grants us good gifts perfect gifts now in light of the context the good gift there is the overcoming of temptation because temptation uh, uh, look at verse 12 blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised those who love him let no one say when he is tempted I'm being tempted by God because God gives good gifts for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one 
But each, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. God in his goodness grants us the good gift of being able to overcome temptation. That's why he says there, do not be deceived. Lastly, the love of God. Of the attributes of God, we see that the love of God works for the good of God's people. I'll just give you one text here because of time. Ephesians chapter 2. We are told here in Ephesians 2 how we were dead in our trespasses, following the course of this world, uh, following the prince of the power of the air, uh, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, following our own flesh, uh, on the, 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 the lust, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, that we have extensively considered this text. In verse 4, we saw the, you know, the, the but God statement that the Bible grants. Were it not for God, where would we be? We would continue in our sin. The apostle says, but God, Ephesians 2, 4, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. The love of God works for the good of God's people. God loves His people. Out of His love, He saves a people for Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His beloved Son. In this manner, God loves the world that He gives His Son for their sake. In their state. So we see there that the attributes of God work for the good of God's people. So that now that we have just recently finished considering the attributes of God, when we think of them, we not only think of the greatness and the magnificence and the, uh, uh, and the majesty of God, we also think of the, the goodness of them, how they work for the good of these people that God calls his own. God says, they will be my people, I will be their God. And when we say that God is our God, we're saying that his attributes, who he is in his nature, works out for the good of those that love him. Number two, is that a question? Is that a question there? Or a comment? Okay, number two. The promises of God work for the good of God's people. The promises of God work for the good of God's people. These are the best things. Yeah? The, among the best things are the attributes of God. Among these best things are the promises of God. God gives His people some promises and these promises work for the good of his people are you feeling alone there's a promise for you hebrews chapter 13 you know this you know this text verse 5 keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. The same text can be given of the uncertainty of provision in our lives. Are you uncertain, um, unsure of provision in your life? God says he will never leave his people. He will never forsake them. His promise works for our good. His promise works to, uh, to, 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 to remind us that He is there. He is there to provide for us. So that when we are feeling alone, we can be sure that God is never going to leave us. When we are unsure of whether we will get provision or not, we can be sure that God will be there to provide for us. In, in Matthew chapter 6, we are told that 
We shouldn't be anxious of anything. God provides for the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. He is going to provide for his people. He is going to give them. He is a good father. Our earthly fathers will not give us snake when we ask for fish. They will not give us stone when we ask for bread. How much more our heavenly father who is good. And so God is, God is with us. If you are feeling alone, God has promised he will never leave us. If you are unsure of provision, God has promised that he will never leave us. Are you afraid of people? There may be enemies against you. There is a promise for you. Look at verse 6 of Hebrews 13. So we can say confidently, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? And this is a... You know that this is a quotation, eh? Cited from Psalm, Psalm 118 and Psalm, 40, uh, Psalm 27. God is with his people. If you're afraid of, of, if you're afraid of uh, people, the danger uh, looms around you, you can be sure that God is going to be with you, that God is your helper. The promises of God work out for our good. Are you facing frowning providences, suffering of whatever kind? There's a promise for you. That beloved Psalm, Psalm 23. The psalmist says here, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in, the, in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. God is with us in all circumstances. Even though we, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, uh, however many frowning providences and sufferings that we go through, God is with us. He promises that he is with us in the valley of the shadow of death. And this is why then the psalmist, under the inspiration of the Spirit, is able to say even though he walks in this valley, he will not fear because God is with me. Does sin want to oppress you by guilt? Having committed sin, does it now want to oppress you? Does the evil one want to remind you of the things that you have done? And thus then put you down, grant a frowning face. There is a promise for you. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 6, when Moses tells God to show him his glory, what does God do? God reveals to him his attributes. And God says, the Lord, the Lord. Let's go there. Exodus 34. God grants his attributes to Moses. In verse 5 we read, Exodus 34 verse 5, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious. That's a promise that God is giving his people. He says, A God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. Forgiving iniquity and, trans and transgression and sin, but will by no means clear the guilty. God is saying there that if you have sinned, He is a forgiving God. He is a merciful and a gracious God. He is a God who is slow to anger. He is a God who is abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. And thus then, um, He grants promises that are for the good of His people. These promises of God work for the good of his people because they strengthen our faith. They help us to trust God more. They help us to believe in him, to continue depending on him. They remove anxiety from us. When God grants promises, what that should do is that anxiousness 
should be removed from us. So they strengthen our faith, they remove anxiety, they increase our thankfulness. We know that God is going to be with us in every circumstance. That God is merciful to us when we sin. Is for our good. We are thankful to Him. They increase our joy in our good God. Number three, the mercies of God work for the good of God's people. So number one, the attributes of God work for the good of God's people. The promises of God work for the good of God's people. Number three, the mercies of God work for the good of His people. God grants spiritual mercies. He grants His word. He gives us prayer. He grants us fellowship. We have brethren whom we can fellowship with. He grants us the ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper. He grants us spiritual mercies. These are, it's not as though God was obliged to give us His word or that He should give us the medium of prayer where we can commune with Him. These are spiritual mercies that God gives us. And when He gives them to us, therefore our good. They're called the means of grace. They work out for our good. Now when you think of how God has been merciful to give us His word, His people, prayer and the ordinances we become thankful look at Psalm 116 Psalm 116 verse 12 the psalmist begins there in verse 1 by saying I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for what? For mercy. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore I will call on him as long as I live. Look at verse 12. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? God has been merciful to us. What the psalmist is saying here in 116 is, what am I going to give back to him? I'm so thankful. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Verse 14. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the, in the presence of all his people. The psalmist is saying, I will be thankful for what, has God, for, for what God has done for me. When we think of what, uh, the, the, what the mercy of God is to us, when, when God promises us his mercy... We are lifted up to duty. In that same text, the, apostles, uh, the, 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 the psalmist says, I will, I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So that the mercies of God work for our good. They help us not only to be thankful, but also to be dutiful. To, to perform our duties to the Lord. Without any, any trouble, without any grumbling. Because of how God has been merciful to us, we want to honor Him. We want to live for Him. We want to do what He tells us to do. And that's then the psalmist says, I will pay my vows to God. And I will do this in the presence of His people. Let all the world know that God has been merciful to Him. When people ask me, why do I live the way I do? One of my responses would be, God has been merciful to me. God has been merciful to me. When we think of how God has been merciful to us, we are humbled, aren't we? We are humbled. We know that mercy is undeserved. God, uh, 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 what does it mean for God to be merciful? It means that um, He does not give us that which we deserve. As opposed to grace, grace is that God gives us that which we don't deserve, right? Mercy is that God refrains from giving us that which we deserve, His wrath. And you think of His mercy to us, we are humbled. We are humbled. We should be humbled. When we think of His mercy uh, to us, we want to be merciful to others. We should be merciful to others. 
uh, when when um, when the king shows mercy to that ungrateful servant and he goes out and refuses to show mercy to his fellow servant the king is not so pleased when he hears it the people who see this ungrateful servant behaving the way he behaves are not are not very happy about it because when we are when we are shown mercy we should be merciful to others and this is a thing that um as believers we it's as though we are going to learn this for the rest of our lives because we do not want to be merciful we want things to be done the way we want them done we want people to live for us the way we tell them and when things are not done the way we want them done when we are injured our first instinct is not to be merciful rather is to pour our wrath is to give attitude is to act wrongly but god says we should be merciful really he says that we should be merciful by by showing us mercy by giving us mercy and then lastly we when we think of how god has been merciful to us our hearts are overwhelmed when we kneel before god in prayer our tears should be our eyes should be filled with tears tears should be overflowing in our eyes because of how god has been merciful to us when you sing that that song show pity lord oh lord forgive when you have sinned tears should be flowing from your eyes when you're in your closet when you say let a repenting rebel live are not your mercies large and free that's what the hymn writer asks it says my sins though great they do not surpass the power and glory of your grace because of this my heart is overwhelmed because of the mercy of god now these things are for our good it's for our good that we become thankful that we are humbled that we are overwhelmed that we are lifted up to duty that we are merciful to others it's for our good that the mercy of god works for our good for the good of god's people lastly this will not be too long the graces of the spirit work for the good of god's people number 4 the graces of the spirit work for the good of god's people go with me to galatians galatians chapter 5 the last text i like us to consider galatians 5:22 We know this text it's um it's where we are given the fruit of the spirit but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires if we live by the spirit let us also keep in step with the spirit i see though those uh those things that are given us there in the fruit of the spirit uh the love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control those things are the graces of the spirit and god gives them to us for our good they work for the good of the people of god God allows us to be filled with love for him and love for others for our own good that we may be sanctified that we may be cleansed they work to make us holy they work to make us separate from this world they work to make us look more like Christ these graces of the spirit they conform us to the image and likeness of our savior And so when when God gives them to us he is giving them to us for our good. You know God doesn't tell us to love others to rejoice at all times to be peaceable to seek peace and to pursue it 
to grow in bearing with one another, patience, to be kind. Remember the, the young women are to be taught by, taught by the old women how to be kind. Proverbs 31, woman is kind woman. We're not told to do these things, to embrace the goodness of God, to see it and seek to emulate it, to be faithful, gentle and self-controlled. We're not told to do these things as though God wants to put a, a big burden on our shoulders. We're told to do these things for our good. God conforms us into his image by granting the graces of the Spirit so that we, we, may, be, we may be made like him for our good, for the good of our fellow brethren, that we may look more like Christ. Is there any question or comment? I'd like to end it there. These are the best things. We are going to consider some more, some more of these best things next Sunday, Lord willing. All things really work together for the good of God's people. And I'm hoping that by the time we, we finish this series, you're going to see that when, when Paul says that all things work together for good, really it is all things. It is all things. Just that we are not able to quite cover the scope of these all things. But that which we are able to do, we will consider. There's no question or comment I'd like to pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your kindness to us. Thank you that you've given us a promise there in your word that all things work together for good. For those who love you, those who are called according to your purpose, all things work together for their good. We do pray that you may help us to, to be comforted by this, uh, by, by, by this promise, really. To, to see that you are a faithful God. That when you say that all things work together for our good, that it is indeed true. And as we continue to consider these things, may you help us to see it. Help us to see that the best things work for our good. That your attributes, your promises, your mercies, your graces are given to us for our own good. That we may especially be drawn nearer to you and that we may look more like our Savior, being conformed by your Spirit into the image of your Son. Please comfort us with these considerations. Glorify yourself in the uh, reading, the proclamation of your word. All these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.